Hey everyone, Dave Broadback here. This is the uh, audio for a lecture uh, in Psychology 3256, Advanced Univariate Statistics. It used to be called Design and Analysis 1, but we didn't think that name was scary enough. Also check out the uh, YouTube uh, videos of uh, these uh, lectures. I guess I've now just committed myself to doing the YouTube videos. Anyway, check out my YouTube channel and you can find them there. Or also at my blog, people.ac.ca slash broadback slash blog. If you like statistics, oh, you're going to love this. Psycho killer, liar, they could know with protection of the Testing. Again, this is stuff I know you've dealt with in 2126. We're going to deal with it again. Um, we need three things to say there is a causal re- relationship. And really, all we, we really care about that. We want to say that X causes Y. That's an important thing to us. Uh, as scientists, we want to say that under certain conditions, X causes Y. We need temporal precedence. X has to come before Y. X can't cause something that happens after Y. Right? That's impossible. That's not how our universe works. So for a cause to happen, it has to come before the effect. We have to eliminate alternative explanations. Right? To eliminate alternative explanations. So to make sure that there's not some other variable. It's not that X causes Y, it's that actually Z causes Y. But we just need to do a very good job making designing our experiments. Finally, we have to say there's co-variation, such that as X changes, Y changes in some systematic fashion. Now, it could be systematically goes up and down. It could be two groups go up and one group goes down. It doesn't matter, but there has to be some co-variation, right? This is stuff you would have dealt with in uh, the research methods class in 2027. At least it was when I, last time I taught it, which was 1997. I'm so pleased that I've never taught it because I actually fell asleep lecturing on it. So boring. <laughs> that stuff to be just—I mean, it's important. You have to know it. It's good. It's all valuable, and I hate it. It's, it's, it's so boring. That's all. Whereas this stuff I love, which I know makes me seem very odd. These first two temporal precedents and elimination alternative explanations—you deal with those through design. Right? So if you design an experiment properly, I mean, it's hard to design an experiment such that the cause would come after the effect. No one would be that weird. But elimination of alternative explanations, that's something we care about, right? How do we typically deal with elimination of alternative explanations? What's the most basic thing we do in psychology, typically, to deal with this kind of thing? Randomly assigned subjects to groups, right? Just randomization. It just means that all the other characteristics of the groups <coughs> are randomly assigned, basically, because we've assigned subjects randomly to groups. The third one isn't through design. The variation isn't through design. That we deal with that, we find that out by doing statistical tests. Right? So I made up some data. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about copying these freaking down. They're just numbers. Go ahead. You want to copy down numbers? You like copying down numbers? Go nuts. 
In the words of Principal Skinner on, 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 on The Simpsons, science has all the excitement of sitting still, paying attention, and writing down numbers. And believe me, that's true. Uh, so, fine. You want to write these down. But I've got two groups here. One is a mean of 66.2, one is a mean of 71.6. Standard deviations, respectively, 7.85 and 8.56. So we have two groups here. I don't know what these are. They could be two, they could be a set of test scores, I guess. I don't know. Looks like it. Could be. So they're just some, some made-up numbers. Okay. So here's the question you want to ask. Here's a distribution with a mean of 72 and a standard deviation, I think, of 8. I think so. Over there, smaller. Could those two sets of scores, those two group means, sorry, well, groups of scores, so those two batches of numbers, could they have come from this distribution? So I'm saying theoretically, this is the, so hypothetically, this is a population distribution. Hypothetically. I'm not saying it is. Let's, let's pretend. We don't normally know this. I said that the other day. We don't normally know population distributions. We don't know means. We don't know standard deviations. Let's pretend we do. Hmm. So could those two batches of scores come from that distribution? That's the question. One was around 66. One was around 72, right? Well, holds around 60, it's right here. It seems pretty likely. This is the probability of getting a score of that size. The other one's 72, that's right in the middle. It seems pretty likely to me that those two sets of scores come from that distribution. Now, I'm not saying we ever know this in advance, because we don't. But as a thought experiment, as a thought experiment, do you see why I'm saying that those two batches of scores come from, or could come from, that distribution, assuming we knew it in advance, which we normally don't, or never do? Does that make sense to everyone? Okay? So it makes sense, right? It's possible. We don't know this typically, hardly ever. And again, if we know the population data, why would we do the science? There's no reason to do it. We already know it. Hypothetical. So, what we just did is intuitively make a decision. We've said the chance is big enough that they come from that same distribution that we wouldn't be confident in saying that those two distribution, those two batches of scores come from different distributions. They come from the same population. We did it completely intuitively, we didn't do any arithmetic, we didn't do any math. It's not based on any math, really. It's based on just intuition and looking at something. So it's an intuitive feel for us. So it's not just, she said, just intuition. If the chance of those two distributions, or sorry, two batches of scores coming from that same distribution is relatively small, and there's a convention, we say usually less than a 5% chance, we make a decision saying that they don't come from the same. 
if they don't come from the same distribution, they by definition come from different distributions, yes? And that means we have an effect of the variable we've changed, the independent variable. Okay? And we say it's statistically significant. And then we publish articles and get tenure. So we see the effect is statistically significant if there's less than a 5% chance. As a rule, we use 5%. There's a bizarre worship of the 5% level of significance, which is stupid, but that's beside the point, and we'll talk about that shortly. So without the statistical significance, we don't have, co we can't confidently say we have covariation of X and Y. If we don't say that, then we can't say that X causes Y. That's why this part, the statistical part, is just as important, or perhaps more important, depending on your point of view, I guess, as the design part of this. Okay? You see the logic behind this? Am I making a compelling case? Any questions? Does this make sense so far? So what we tend to do is we set up two mutually exclusive hypotheses. We set up HO, the null hypothesis. Sometimes people say H sub O. There was a time before this became a term, people used to say O. It's not something people say anymore. But seriously, people used to say ho. Ho and ha. No one's issue. So H sub zero or H zero is the null hypothesis. And H A or ha. Sometimes H one or H sub one, you'll see that terminology used to any of those are fine. That's the alternative hypothesis. So the null hypothesis is that there is no difference between the two groups. Or however many, let's just use two for now. Doesn't matter. That there is no effect of the independent variable. That the two batches of scores come from the same distribution. All those things I said mean exactly the same thing. I'm being redundant. I'm repeating myself. I'm saying things over and over again. The alternative hypothesis just says, nope. Not true. That's all it is. It doesn't say anything about how the distributions differ. The parent population distribution says nothing about that. It just says they are different. Okay. Question so far. Does this make sense? Does the logic of this make sense so far? set up this sort of matrix. Whoa, I know jujitsu. Is it a matrix reference? That's where you hope. And talk about how we can make mistakes. 
cup here, and I'm going to talk, we have reality. H.O. is true or H.A. is true? They can't both be true. They can't both be false. Okay. So H.O. is true or H.A. is true? But see, we don't know reality. We don't know this because if we knew it, we wouldn't have to do the experiment, right? So we don't know if they come from two different distributions. We just don't know. But we accept that there is a reality out there. We just don't know it. There's no reality, man. Objectivity is subjective. Shut up. Get out of here. Um, sure, there's a reality out there. The question is, can we see it? And we can't. Can we make some guesses about it? That we can do. Here's one guess we can make. Let's not reject HO. So let's say that they come from the same distribution. That there is no effect of the independent variable. Those again, both being the same. If this is true, we do not reject HO. And if HO is true, we've made the correct decision. It's a boring decision that doesn't get anybody anything exciting. But at least it, we didn't make a stupid mistake. We didn't say, <coughs> there are no psychics. Sorry, we said there are no psychics and there are no psychics. So we didn't say they're stupid. That's not going to be a groundbreaking paper. You're not going to get anything in nature saying there aren't any psychics. But at least you didn't make an ass of yourself like you could, oh, perhaps here. You could make a mistake. And it's going to happen. When we say there's only a, for example, 5% chance that HO is true, that means one time out of 20, we're going to do same stuff stupid. That's why we have to replicate things. Because if it happened by dumb luck, if it actually is the case, there is no effect that HO is true. But we come to the conclusion that we reject HO. We've made it say, we'll do the experiment. Do the damn experiment. Make sure when you go to say, there are psychics and try to get that published that you've replicated it. And I think probably more than that. So we actually know the probability of making what's called a type 1 error. We said, we say, let's say, and typically we say 5%. There's a 5% chance. is true, and ha is actually true. We could miss it. We could not reject HO. Even H is true, even though H is true. We're going to miss it. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to make, in this case, what's called a type 2 error. So a type 1 error, the probability of making a type 1 error is, is alpha. And we set alpha, 0.05 or whatever. We set that. That's our business. The probability of a type 2 error is beta. So we've got 
probability, type 1 error, whoops, error, it's alpha, the probability of type 2 is beta. I will apologize in advance that we're going to use alpha and beta for all kinds of other things too. Sorry, it's not my fault. It's convention. Okay, so don't get mad at me. We could miss something. We could miss something exciting, but at least, well, somebody else will find it. That's screwed. So we could make a correct decision here. HA is true and we reject HO, we get a correct decision. That's what's called our statistical power. The probability of making a correct rejection of a false null hypothesis is 1 minus theta, and it's called statistical power. So the probability of rejecting a false null hypothesis is that's what power is. We get a correct decision. Note a couple of things. I have not once said except HO. <coughs> I have not once said except HA. We reject HO or we don't reject HO. We don't accept things. Those are two different things. It may seem like a distinction without a difference, but it's not. Questions so far? This is Stephanie. Sure you've seen before. Can I ask why? Please. You don't say that. Um, because. It's basically given the evidence we have, we don't reject something. It doesn't mean, in fact, just because we didn't reject something doesn't mean that it's true. We don't know reality. Okay. Right? So we're accepting or we're stating sort of that it's uh, an assumption? No. <sighs> the assumption, the base assumption of all inferential statistics is there is no effect of the independent variable. All of that is based on there being no effect of the independent variable. So fail to reject. Yeah, so you fail to reject and say, well, I, I don't reject or I do reject. We never accept. We We can't. Yeah, we can't. Inference, right? Yeah, so what we're doing is we're basically, it's kind of like in a court of law, they said they never, you were found innocent, you're found not guilty. Right? You're found not guilty. So, if HO is true, and we don't reject HO, we made a correct decision, a boring one, but we, but we made one that doesn't make a fool of ourselves. On the other hand, if HO is true, but we reject HO, we made a mistake. We've made what's called a type 1 error. <coughs> the difference between the type 1 error and the type 2 error, one, besides the fact they're different things, is that we know the probability of making a type 1 error. We set that in advance, 0.05 or whatever we're using. If HA is true, but we fail to reject HO, we get a type 2 error. The probability of that is beta. And we don't know what that is. We can estimate it, and it will be a class... Perhaps, I think that's next Thursday. There's a way, there are ways to estimate these things. They're not really necessary. Oh, those are necessary. Not enough people do them. Because if, if I can say, what's the probability of making a correct decision? I want that to be high. I want 1 minus theta to be high. 
Well, I don't think they're going to be You're going to get someone. Well, you might. That's what would you hope for that? No, you'd hope for something like. If you got like 0.7, you're, you're rocking. Yeah, so seven times out of ten, if there's no effect and you make the correct decision, you're, you're in pretty good shape. Questions so far? Good? Okay. So again, correct decision, type 1 error, type 2 error, other correct decision. The correct decision we tend to want is this one down here. H.A. true, reject H.O. We'd like that. We design our experiments hoping that those things are true. So we have some control over the error probabilities. We set the probability of a type 1 error, and we usually set it at 0.05. This is a convention that I think is stupid. And I'll go into why in a moment. <laughs> but this is a node that's called alpha, the probability of type 1 error. The probability of type 2 error depends on n, the number of subjects, sigma, the population standard deviation. Think about, remember going back to that, could have come from this distribution. <laughs> if that distribution was much tighter, instead of having a standard deviation of 8, it had like one of 0.5, it was really tight, we'd say they came from just different distributions. And alpha. The bigger the alpha, the more likely we are to say there's there's an effect. The problem is we start saying alpha is 0.25, we then say we have a 25% chance of making a type 1 error. We don't really want that. There may be cases where we're okay with that. That's called beta. And one minus beta, a correct rejection. That's, that's power. Fixed coin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Who thinks at eight I got a fixed coin? 
Maybe. Yeah? No? There's no maybe. It's yes, yes or no. Yes. Okay, so we've got one person saying maybe. What about nine? Do we have a fixed point at nine? Madison also now is in on the, on, the, on the train. At 10, do I have a fixed coin? Yeah. yeah, everybody says that, I hope. It's interesting that if, when you ask people, and then instead of just sitting there blankly staring, they actually answer this question. Um, typically, people put their hands up around 8 out of 10, which, interestingly enough, when you do the math, is right around 95% chance. So for some reason, it has an intuitive appeal to humans. I don't know why, but it does. This is all because of one man, R.A. Fisher. One man decided that 0.05 would be a sensible place to draw that line. R.A. Fisher, by the way, uh, there's a reason it's called an F-test, the analysis of variance, because it's named after Fisher, who invented it. He also came up with, those of you who have any biological background, the first kin selection model. I mean, this artificial was a really smart man. Um, and apparently, he had graduate students working on the percentages of the F distribution. You know, you look it up, you know the and John Tukey, we talked about Tukey, an experimental data, sort of exploratory data analysis. Apparently, Tukey gets in contact with Fisher and says, What percentage points are your students working on? All of my students work on the same thing. Remember, they're doing these all by hand, by the way, they're doing calculus. And Fisher replies, 0.05. And Tukey goes, Good, I'll have mine do some other, some 0.05s too, so we can work together. And that's why we use 0.05. Because two guys decided it seemed okay. There's no other reason. It's never been challenged? Oh, it gets challenged more and more in the literature all the time. I know that if you're doing like a pharmaceutical or a medical one, yeah. you go one zero one. You might. This one will be the 10, right? So, I mean, you might want to be more flexible. In fact, I think we ought to be more flexible. So, I once got, this is literally, the, the, the reason that's a quote is it's a quote from a person who I will not name because I don't think it's fair to name the person. But an editor of a journal once sent, well not, sent me a review of a paper I wrote where all the effects went in the same direction, exactly what I hypothesized. And one of them didn't hit 0.05. And I noted that it was 0.0504. And I was told not to, to, to discuss non-significant effects. After punching a couple of walls and smoking a pack of cigarettes, I was a younger man. I realized, is this a hill I want to die on? No. If anyone takes a look at this, they will see that the effect, even though it's not significant, goes in the direction of every single other effect that I hypothesized would happen. Anybody will figure this out, I will talk about it. Fine. It's funny, at one point in that paper, that same paper, there were four alternatives that the animal had to do. Four different alternatives. If the animal's responding at random chance, what's, what should it be? Four, one of the four, right? So I compared the scores to random chance, to 25%. And I got this reply from 
an editor saying, surely chance is 50%. And I replied, it's 25% and please stop calling me surely. Um, sometimes one must quote airplane. See, I was told, don't discuss these non-significant effects. Now, let's think about this. When would we want, and I, Curtis, I think, uh, had a notion here, when would we want to not use 0.05? When would we want to be a little more stringent? Lights are on the line? Yeah. It depends. <coughs> How so? Um, so I'm, just, I'm saying going from 0.05 to 0.01, for example. Well, the medication is supposed to work on a cancer or a certain type of brain condition, you want to be certain that chance is not a large factor, no? And you already have a medication that works. What if you don't have a medication that works? Like a, um, like a trial? Is that what you're yeah, so it's a clinical trial. You don't have something that works. It's a brand new medication. It's going to treat it's some horrible cancer, pancreatic cancer. Well, you better be damn sure. Yeah, but what if, it, what if you have nothing right now that works? I'm not saying there's nothing for pancreatic cancer, uh-huh. works, but uh-huh. what if you have nothing that works? What if there's an off chance this works? In that case, maybe you want to go the other way. So how about 0.15? What if you're testing? Water, drinking water. When I lived in Newfoundland, um, every spring, literally every spring, there was a boil order, or as we call them there, a bio order, right? Um, on the water, because of GRD. Fever, fever. You don't want GRD. It involves a lot of diarrhea. You really don't want it. <laughs> And for old people and little kids, it can kill them. It literally can kill you. And literally, honestly, every single year, there was a boil order in the spring because a lot of snow, runs down the mountains. There's a lot of poop from animals in the water. And there's going to be a boil order. And then when you look there long enough, you've got a filtration system and didn't worry about boil orders. But in that case, I'm perfectly happy with them saying, yeah, uh, we're setting it at point two. Oh, I'm inconvenienced a little bit by boiling my water. I'd rather have to boil my water for no reason rather than poop myself to death. Right? I'm perfectly happy there. On the other hand, what if I'm saying, for example, that there are, that I have evidence that there actually exist psychics People that can read your mind. You better make that pretty damn small. Point oh oh one is nice. There's been literally no evidence of this ever. So how about we be really conservative here? Like really conservative. Oh, yeah, I'd go at least there. There's a thing called a Bayesian prior. What's your prior? What do you, what do you think the probability actually is that there are psychics? It's probably one in a billion. I'd probably go with point oh, 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 one. <laughs> I think that was enough of On the other hand, like I said, if it's about public health, this is interesting. Most of the research on secondhand smoke and does it actually hurt people never reaches 0.05. But you know what? Um, what am I more concerned about? That people can smoke places 
What if people don't get cancer who aren't smoking? I think I'll go with the people who aren't, don't have candy and don't smoke, don't get the cancer so much. Yeah, I'll be happy with that. So there's a lot of times the individual studies of a minute smoke didn't hit 0.05. And a lot of people originally said, well, it's not 0.05. And then other people said, yeah, but they all go in the same direction. It all goes in the same direction. It's always like 0.06, 0.07, 0.06, 0.08. It's like, yeah, okay. Are you willing to stake public health on this? Uh, probably not. Probably fair to go, probably shouldn't smoke in public. In the classroom, probably not good. You know, go outside. Question, Chris. How do you actually decide when you're, run, when you're doing an experiment? Do you do it? Practically, you just use 0.05 because people are jerks. Um, but if you're applying something, I think you have a much stronger case. But you're doing something. Is, is it realistically up to the experimenter to decide? Well, there's, there's sort of a new movement out there saying that what we should do is present the probabilities, present the alpha levels when we do it. Separate calculations, you mean? No, you just present the alpha levels. You just say the probability of this, of this being a type 1 error is 0.06. The probability of this being a type 1 error is 0.09. The probability of this being a type 1 error is 0.01. And then you say, um, and then you interpret this wish. You interpret it. Um, you don't interpret it as strong when it's, say, 0.09. It's 0.01. How do you decide those alpha you wouldn't do that necessarily. When you do calculations, say a t-test, when you look it up, when you do software, it'll actually tell you the probability that it's a type one. Yeah. We have a cutoff of 0.05 because we worship that because we're idiots. Uh, that's what I was asking. Yeah. Yeah, so instead of doing that, the software will give you an actual number. Okay. It'll say the probability of this being a type one error is 0.037. That's why I, I was able to say it was 0.0504. Okay. I did note in my reply that had I rounded, I could have used 0.05, but that I, was, I had some integrity. I hope that the editor was able to detect my sarcasm. So yeah, it's, it's not an easy thing to do, and I have a real issue with people. Don't, don't discuss non-significant effects. It's like, look, we're not curing cancer here. These aren't public health issues. It's like, do people remember words better if I'm doing this rather than this? All the data from before says that should happen. I've done a small change on this, and I get 0.06, and you say, well, don't discuss it. It's like, get a hold of yourself. It makes you so self-important. And the, the, those of us, I used to say younger people in the field, but now I'm in my 50s. Uh, <laughs> over the years, more and more of us have started to have, have come around to that idea. Come around. And this especially works nicely in talks. It doesn't work as well in published articles. But in a talk, when we say, so that doesn't hit 0.05, but you can see it goes, everything goes in the same direction. Well, the worst thing that happens is something called p-hacking, where what people do is go, okay, so that means if I've got two more subjects, I'll get 0.05. Yeah, yeah, run two more subjects. I hate that. I mean, I want to just beat people to death with statistics folks when they do that. But I see where they do it. Because people don't discuss not significant effects. That's my impression of someone who's annoying and petty. It's not anyone who's going to take it. Okay? What, if, what, what if you state it for what it is? I mean, Almost significant. Yeah. Can you do that? People do. People say, 
approach is significant. So couldn't you just say like here's the uh, here's the probability of this being a technical error, like you were saying? Yeah, people do that, and that's and becoming more popular among journals that aren't APA journals. Because like APA, you're not allowed. Like, APA worships the .05 level like it's some sort of god. No, no, I, I, I understand that. Yeah. Is there like a rule or something where if it's not significant, you can't even speak about it in your paper? Yes. Oh. Yes, that's the problem. That's the issue here. I mean, that's it's, it's a real it's like a format, a format law or rule. Yeah. yeah. And look, when the editor says, somebody once said to me, APA says to use two spaces after a period, but the journal says to use one space after a period, and I, I ask the person, then you put one space after the period, if the journal says draw a picture of a unicorn after after every question mark, that's what you do. You want to get published, or you want to just sit there and go, two spaces is for evil people. <laughs> you know? It's like, just do what you're told. But it's, it, it's an issue here. It's becoming less of an issue, but the problem is most of us who have a sophisticated statistical knowledge aren't listened to very closely. Oh, those are just stats people. Those stats people. So, but yeah, you mean the people that teach you all how to use tools that you don't know how to use? I need to be a little bit cynical. Touch. Questions? Okay, it's okay. Good place to stop, right? Uh, and we'll talk more next time. Thanks, everyone. listening to the lecture um all of the audio is available of course on itunes or whatever podcatcher you're using just search for da- uh, dr dave broadbeck's uh, psychology lectures in algoma university which is the most ungainly title ever uh these are released under a sh- uh, uh, creative commons copyright share like 3.0 canada 
you can't use these for commercial purposes. Um, you feel free to share them uh, and feel free to match them up any way you want. But if you do that, that means I get to do the same thing with your stuff. Sort of like the GNU license. Um, I hope you learned something. But if you didn't, I, unless you're one of my students, I really don't care. Um, the music, by the way, for each uh, song, for each uh, uh, episode, <laughs> lecture, uh, is uh, available. They're all podcast, uh, like Podsafe Music. So if you want to uh, find out about the bands, there's links on my website at people.aoc.ca slash broadback. Uh, if those links don't work, just contact me and I'll find, uh, I'll find out. Um, often I put links uh, actually in the uh, what I call them show notes or blog posts. So, uh, you know, buy these people's music. They're, they're making the stuff available out there. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.